John chapter 15 this evening, uh, verse number 9, and we're going to do it, Baptist aerobics, uh, go on and stand as we read verse number 9, out of respect for the Word of God, there is precedent, we're just verse 9, and then we'll, we'll sit you back down, but yeah, one more time, get that blood flowing, John chapter 15, verse 9, the Bible says, read it with me, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love, amen, one more time, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. Let's pray and we'll jump into what God has for us this evening. Dear Holy Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for the Word of God. And Lord, as we transition now and open up your Word, I do pray that our hearts and our ears would be open to the message that you have for us. Holy Spirit of God, please guide us into all truth. Help us, Lord, to be attentive to your leading. Again, we thank you so much for your Word and we ask that you you blessed now. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, a couple weeks ago, we started a series on abiding in Christ. And by way of review, the first message, we looked at the supremacy of, of Jesus' presence, how that Jesus is the I am. Not that Jesus is, you know, somebody or that he's some other way. No, that he is the I am. He is God in flesh. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is the great I am. And we also looked at, in the supremacy of his presence, that Jesus is the true vine. Not just any vine, but he's the true vine. I mean, he's the one that said in himself that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. And we looked at how we are those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, who have come to Jesus knowing that there is no pardon for their sin. There is no other way get to share in the life of the vine. And then, of course, last time we met, we looked at how Jesus offers all an invitation to his presence, how we can actually abide with him through Bible study, through prayers, and yes, even through trials, even though we may not enjoy the experience. And so tonight, though, we're looking at the consolation of his presence the consolation of his presence. Now, when you look at the definition of consolation, consolation is the act or instance of consoling, the state of being consoled or comforted, uh, something that consoles uh, specifically a, 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 it has the thought of, of alleviating grief or alleviating the sense of loss or, or helping in time of trouble. Really, the thought there is to comfort. So what's awesome is the consolation of abiding with Christ is his love. And we're going to deep dive into what that means this evening. Now, we live in a world that's starving for love. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, seriously, they write about it. <laughs> they sing about it. And it was funny. My mind recalls some of these crazy songs that they write about love. You know, I'm not going to go there, but maybe there's some, some songs popping in your head right now about love, you know, that they don't understand it, that they can't get enough. I mean, it, it is what it is. But when you look within the themes of the message, that they sing about, that they write about, they miss it completely. They miss it completely. Yet, in this verse, Jesus invites us this evening to abide with him because of his powerful love. Now, what a truth. As God, the, And this is how he says it. As the Father hath loved me. So as God the Father has loved Jesus, Jesus loves you. Now, to get a glimpse of the love of God the Father, I want you to turn with me to John chapter number 17 this evening. So if you turn over a couple chapters, 
Look at John chapter number 17. And what's really awesome about this passage is John chapter 17 gives us a glimpse of the love between God the Father and God the Son because in this passage, Jesus pours out His heart to His Father. And if you, if you really look at it, John chapter 17 is just a couple chapters short of John chapter 19 where He's before Pilate being scourged, being crucified. So this was Jesus' time He spent with His Father just like God's our Heavenly Father. This is the time that Jesus spent with the Heavenly Father right before what He was about to experience, bearing our sin, bearing your sin on the cross so that we might have a home in heaven. Now, check out, and I do, I challenge you this week to read the entire chapter because it's incredible the, 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 just the love relationship that Jesus had with His Father. I want us, though, this evening to focus in on verses 23 through 26. 23 through 26. Now, listen to this. So Jesus says, well, I'm going to back up to verse 21. Let me just back up to verse 21. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and here it is, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So a couple things, a couple statements I want to make here, I would like you to write down, and then we'll examine them individually. God's love for God the Son is eternal. God's love for God's Son is perfect, and God's love for God's Son is unchangeable. Now let's back up and look at the eternal love that God, again, as the Father hath loved me, even so have I loved them. And this evening, you're the them. This evening, I'm the them. So this thought of eternal love. In 1 John chapter number 4, in 1 John chapter number 4, you don't have to turn there, but if you would like to, 1 John chapter number 4, I'm going to read to you a couple verses, starting in verse number 9. And this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So there it is, the eternal love. And it's, it's saying it again, the love that's manifested toward us was demonstrated when God sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's a, a verse that everybody knows, but if you look in this passage, it's repeated. He sent His Son to the world that we might live through Him and hear us in love. And, and the truth of the matter is, if we were all to think about our, our, our journey, our life history, and how we came to know Christ, 
A lot of us, before we got saved, we weren't looking for Christ. We weren't worried about God. We were, and again, I know folks were saved at different ages, but even as a child, if anybody's ever worked in the nursery, you know how quick child, children can get. I mean, the first word that most kids come out, you know, have without even being taught is the word no. And, and the rules of childhood are, if it's yours, it's mine. If, it's, if you're not playing with it, it's mine. And, and if you are playing it with it, it's mine. Because that's just how we are. I mean, anybody who's had kids or worked with kids know that you don't need to teach kids how to do bad. They just, they know how to do it. I mean, we're, we're a bunch of, you know, even as kids, we're a bunch of, Wicked, unvile, ungodly sinners. Can I get an amen, Alana? She's saying, no, not, not tonight. No, but seriously. So even if you were saved as, as a young child, what's awesome is God loved you with an eternal love. And even if, even if you, you spent years and years and years living your own life, doing your own thing, worried about your own, your own goals and dreams apart from God's plan for your life that he has for everybody he still loved you and he still man he, and he still loves loves sinners I'm reminded that in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us that God committed his love for us he proved it he demonstrated it. he showed it in in the sense that in spite of who you are he still loves you and it's an eternal love and again it's the, the eternal love is the fact that God loved you, sent His Son, to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute for your sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this, this love that God has for us through Jesus Christ is eternal. What's awesome also is the fact that the love that God has for us is perfect. If you look at, again, 1 John chapter 4, same passage, look at verse number 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There, there again is that thought, the fact that we get to enjoy the love of God because he... No one were rascals, no one what we're made of. He still loves us. But the thought of love casteth out fear. What's interesting, what's interesting about this thought, love versus fear, is even the unsaved world sees the difference and sees some of the consequences that happen when you live a life of fear versus a life of love, and they're not even saved. Why? Because God's, you understand something, folks, God's truths are God's truths regardless of if people ascribe to them or not. Let me give you an example before I jump into this love versus fear comparison. Has anybody ever heard the term karma? Right? You ever hear that? That's a big word nowadays. People say, oh, karma. You see uh, stuff on the news about somebody who road rages, and then it says instant karma. You know, the guy goes off on somebody, you know, and you know, he's yelling at him, and then all of a sudden he turns around and runs into a pole, and they're like, instant karma. And they, they say karma, karma this, karma that. You know what that is? That's God's universal law of reaping what you sow. God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And even though the, the unsaved world may not understand God's principle, may not know his word to know that verse, they still recognize it to the place that they defined it, that they've, they've, they've picked a word and they've, they've put it on it because it's a universal principle that everybody sees. Well, the same thing with love versus fear. The unsaved can, can see, based on their studies and their different things that God has given them glimpse to, to see that, 
Love versus fear, it's a big deal. So let me just give you some things. Love versus fear. Love, anti-stress. Fear, aggression. Love, feeling of calm, connected. Uh, fear, anxiety. Love, uh, positive feelings. Fear, depression. Love, facilitates learning. Fear can break down brain cells. Love repairs. It helps heal. It helps restore. Fear breaks down muscles, bones, and joints. Fear is depression, immune. Uh, fear is increased pain. Fear has actually promotes heart disease and blood pressure. Fear is also uh, ascribed to obesity, diabetes, and osteoporosis, whereas love lowers blood pressure, protects the heart against disease, diminishes sense of pain, faster wound healing. I mean, and this is st stuff that they've studied. And they can see, and so again, when, when God says perfect love, perfect love casts out fear. And as believers this evening, Jesus says, abide in me. And when we abide with him in prayer, when we abide with him throughout our day, when we allow these trials and circumstances not to turn us away from God, but turn us to God, we can experience the perfect love that God provides. Love tends to breed more love. And fear tends to breed more fear. So this evening, are, you know, like we sung, are you weary, are you heavy-hearted? Tell it to Jesus. I mean, because he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So again, when it comes to perfect love, perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. And that's what God, I mean, the Bible says, and what's awesome is the world can identify. The world can see the torment in fear. And it has a lot of negative impacts on your life. So, and again, you say, well, you know, fear. Look, it, it really, if you think about it, it's sin because it's, it's aggression. It, and you know what the scripture teaches about that, amen? You know, anger, it, it's, it ought not be part of our life. And we will take some time and we're looking at this Abiding in Christ series on, on the fruit that, that is brought about in the believer's life when they abide with Jesus Christ. So, perfect love. So, in addition to God's love being eternal through Jesus Christ, in addition to God's love being perfect through Jesus Christ, God's love is also unchangeable. And what's awesome is if you turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. God gives us a list as if it were necessary <laughs> to say anything can separate us from God's love. Because think about it. Who's God? Help me out. Is there anything bigger than God? No. Absolutely not. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Enough said. Mic drop. Right. You know, I mean, that's God. I mean, the same God of, of the Bible that is the same God that we serve. But it's unchangeable. But what's awesome is he knows what we're made of. And he gives us a list. And he tells us at verse 35 of Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us? from the love of Christ? It's a question. And it's true, I mean, because, hey, I'm here to tell you this evening, there's some people that believe that even if they've accepted Christ, that somehow they can do something to separate that relationship. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that the, it, it ain't so. And I know ain't ain't a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. It ain't so. And that's the question that, that's being asked here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And here it is. Shall tribulation... Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Now, if you break those down, that's any circumstance or situation that could happen in a person's life while they're living. And what 
I mean, look at it. Tribulation. That's just problems in your life. Anybody, anybody have problems? I mean, and we all do. Will, the, will those problems separate you from the love of God? No, because God's love is unchangeable. Distress. No, that's not going to separate you. Persecution. And again, in America, we, we really don't understand that thought of persecution. But and if anybody's anybody ever read the, the Fox's Book of Martyrs before, or heard maybe heard stories you know from that, right. shall some again? Jesus said, "Fear not them that are able to kill the body, but not the soul. But rather for him that can destroy both soul and body in hell." Yeah. And so I, I you know so yes. Yeah, so if there's ever a time or place where persecution can arise, can a person who's persecuting you or me separate us from God's love? Absolutely not. No. What about famine? What about physical? Necessities that are that happen to be lacking at any point in time will that separate you? Absolutely not. Nakedness again, just if you think about nakedness, it's the thought of a really materialistic type things and not having. Is that going to separate you? Does God only like you or love you because you're wealthy or rich? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That doesn't matter. Or peril or sword. As and let's keep reading verse thirty six. As as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, it says, Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loved us. There it is, folks. So that's why verse 38 says this. For I am persuaded, look at it, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So right there, folks, God's love is unchangeable. Yeah. But then you say, but Brother Vaughn, you don't understand. I accepted Jesus Christ, or maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ. And I did this, or I did that, or, or you know, I, I forgot to, you know, pray this morning, or, you know, I just ate my burger and, you know, didn't ask God to bless it. Does God not love me anymore? God still loves you. Hey. Amen? I mean, yes, we should, you know, Pray before we eat. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying God's love is not based on your poor perfection. It's not. It's not a performance-based love. There is no, there is no, no power. There's no, nothing you can do that's going to get God to love you more than what he loves you right now. Think about that. You say, Brother Vaughn, why is that important? Because, folks, there, there, are, there are people that, and it's, it works two ways, and both ways are bad ways. There's some people that say because, you know, I do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, that somehow I'm more loved to God than my neighbor. And that's not accurate. And then the other way works is, well, because I'm not doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, then somehow God doesn't love me like He loves so-and-so. And that's the wrong impression of God's love, too. This evening, I'm here to tell you, folks, that, that God's love is not based upon you. Even your salvation. I mean, your salvation wasn't based upon you. Right. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation is not contingent upon us. It's not based on what we do. Well, neither is His love. He loves you regardless. And, the, and you say, Brother Vaughn, well, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to give me an excuse to just do what I need to do? No. That's not an excuse to sin. The minute we realize that God loves us, regardless of whatever happens or whatever we do or do or don't do, man, that should enable you. That should, man, that should set you free. That's why Jesus was able to say, take my yoke upon me, learn of me. For I'm low, I mean, 
that's why he said if you if and again some people get caught up in in, in trying to to keep things and and do different things and and somehow those things make me more acceptable to God and that's not the case folks that's not it's not based upon you and what's awesome is this power of the abiding love of Jesus Christ and the impact it can have on you is really defined in Ephesians chapter 3 so let's turn there and let's look at this because what's awesome is the moment a believer understands that God loves me period no ands no buts no ads that God loves me with the same love that God the Father loved that God the Son. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 3. It's an awesome comparison. What's awesome is how the Scripture just, man, it, 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 it aligns with itself. It teaches the same thing. Check this out. See if there's some comparisons to John chapter 15. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would, again, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Again, that's the, that's the power of Jesus Christ. That, that's the first message we talked about. Amen? How that Jesus is the I Am. How that He is supreme. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, here it is, to be strengthened with might by whose spirit? His spirit in the inner man. In your innermost part of you, God wants to strengthen you that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that being rooted and grounded in what? In love. There it is. The abiding love of Jesus Christ can root you. You say, Brother Vaughn, how can I have a faith that's strong? Jesus Christ. Man, just man, experience the love that He wants to give you. Understand that you, He just loves you as you. And grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Now, this is interesting, and you're an engineer. What world do we work in? We only work in what, what dimension? Really. As an engineer, which really it's, Breadth, length, and height, yeah. right? Three okay. D. Mm-hmm. Or is are we in four D yet? Okay. Not yet. <laughs> What's awesome here is is really God's love yeah. is beyond our really ability to comprehend. Breadth, length, depth, and height. That's four D, folks. That's if. if I only took, as far as math, only took uh, calculus, I think is as far as I've got. And once I got there and they started doing fourth dimension, I was like, man, that is, woo. But that's God's love for you. It's so rich. It's so deep. I know my kids are like, what's that? I mean, because they're only doing like division. What are you all in now? Division multiplication? Yeah, just wait till algebra. I mean, that'll just, and then calculus and pre-cal. Oh, man. But God's love can dwell with us and, and, and what's awesome is it's beyond our understanding but we we can comprehend it yeah. you say well how can i comprehend it well verse 19 and to know the love of christ here it is which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of god and i'm here to tell you folks when you go through something with god you can't explain it you can't you can't explain it but you know that he's there yeah. it passeth knowledge 
And so my friend, I'm here to tell you, Jesus said this, so have I loved you with a love that's eternal, with a love that's perfect, with a love that's unchanging. Picture Jesus Christ literally holding out his nail-pierced hands to you, my friend. And for those who may not know Christ as Savior, he invites you to come to him. He invites you to, to, to know that your love and, and that forgiveness and acceptance is offered freely because of his sacrifice. And for those who know him, he says to you, you're forgiven, you are loved. He invites you to an abiding relationship with him. You are accepted. He desires to fellowship with you. He desires to pour out his amazing love, his amazing peace, his amazing comfort you cannot find anywhere else. Jesus still says, abide in me. What a marvelous invitation from an amazing Savior. The question is this evening and every moment on your journey and on mine is will we respond to that invitation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your love for us. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that we'd be encouraged this evening, Lord, that we would just be thankful for your goodness. Heads down, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Is there anybody here that says, Brother Vaughn, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to get that settled. Friend, it's not about religious experience. It's not about religious deeds. It's not about a feel-good thing that happened in your life. It's do you know that you're going to heaven? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed because all of us this evening have had to make, that, make a decision. We had to confront ourselves with that question. So are you sitting here and you say, I don't know, but I'd like to know. Would you raise your hand? Anybody at all? It's always going to be the first question. Anybody at all? Okay, next question is this. Heads down, eyes closed. Nobody looking around, just me. Is there anybody here that says, Brother Vaughn, would you pray for me? The Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart in some way, and there's some things that I need to respond to. Would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you if you'd raise that hand with, with, with me this evening. Brother Vaughn, pray for me. There's some things that God spoke to my heart about, and I just need to allow God to work in my life. Anybody? Raise your hand. Amen. Anyone else? All right, well, let's pray, and we'll be done for this evening. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, and thank you for your abiding love. I do ask that we would take you up on your invitation and that we'd enjoy the journey with you. Again, thank you so much for your goodness, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I do dismiss, Alana's going to get me. If we don't uh, take an offering again, I do want to say this. This is an open house service still, uh, so you're our guest. There is no obligation but if God leads you in that way, uh, you know, please feel free to give. Uh, again, you know, the, the, the tithe is the Lord's. Uh, he does command us to give. But again, God loves a cheerful giver. But let's pray, and we'll ask God to bless. Dear Holy Father, God, thank you for the offering. I pray you bless it. Thank you again so much for this opportunity we get to fellowship around your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Give you a little, little, little traveling music. She's going to shake you down. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> she's, she's getting on me. She's like, Dad, you haven't been doing your job. No, but uh, amen. Amen. Good job, Alana. All right. But uh, hey, you are dismissed. Thank you so much. And look forward to fellowship with you after service. Thank you.